0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 50th edition of If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. That's right. It is me, Archie Mitchell, your host, back with another great episode and a monumental episode, uh, 50 episodes in the in the bag. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, sure, uh, some of you are like this just as I am with myself. Um, I tend to start things... And then I don't finish them right away. And then I go back to them and whatnot. This is something that I have put my heart and soul into. And I am so glad that we have seen a growth in viewers and listeners, people supporting the uh, page as well as the podcast. Thank you all so much. Uh, 50 episodes, absolutely unbelievable. Um, And at the end of the show, I will tell you about a small giveaway that I will be doing for our listeners, and what you can do to be involved in it. So, with that being said, a little bit different of a format this evening. We only have two quick hits, but that's because it is a uh, slow uh, news week this week, and we will only be reviewing NXT 2.0 Spring Breakin' and AEW Dynamite. The reason for this is um, I cannot watch a w uh rampage this week i'm heading out of town this weekend uh because of a death in the family i'm going to uh pay my respects um and you know make sure that everyone in the family is okay uh after this recent passing so with that being said i still wanted to get a show out and i still wanted to do something uh to review the week so as i said it will only be two quick hits nxt 2.0 spring break-in and AEW Dynamite, but Grinds My Gears is back at the ending of the show. That's right, yes. Nate Maxson's favorite part of the show, Grinds My Gears, is back. So, with that being said, I encourage you to pop open your favorite frosty beverage, because you know I can't, and um, sit down, strap in, and listen to me spew my venom, my hate, and my love for the world of professional wrestling let's start with some quick hits number one freddie prince jr plans to start a unionized wrestling company in the next 18 months now it was written really weirdly uh, on the different websites that i um picked up the story on uh i can't tell if that means in 18 months or within 18 months. What I mean by that is it could be in the next four months if it's within the next 18 months. But if it's in 18 months, then we're looking at a start time of uh, 2024. But this is what he's planning on, ladies and gentlemen. This is the list of things Freddie Prince Jr., the actor and former writer for Monday Night Raw, would like to achieve. Wants a two-hour show, has the money for a three-year plan, storylines based in reality, men and women given equal time, wants to own the space it's filmed in, wants it to be a SAG show, Screen Actors Guild, uh, and no TV contract yet. Now, Freddie has got a lot of pull in Hollywood. He's been there for quite some time. He is a great actor. I've always found his work to be great, uh, good. Um, You know, uh, he's he's an all-around good actor. He's not winning any Oscars, obviously, but his work in the first I Know What You Did last summer uh, as well as Scooby-Doo, um, you know, he's he's a fine actor. Um, on the writing aspect of wrestling, he did a great job of writing Monday Night Raw uh, with the rest of the writing teams when he was there a couple of years ago, and he was well-liked and praised by uh, some of the higher-ups. So, Freddie has dipped a toe in the world of professional wrestling, and now he's looking to start his own company. Here is the only problem I have with this. He wants it to be a unionized wrestling show. That means anyone who's under contract with AEW, WWE, or Impact would not be able to participate. For instance, if he had an open-door policy and said anyone can come in the way AEW has had, well, they would have to be someone who is not under contract to one of those big companies and wanted to be in a wrestling union um wrestlers have been trying to unionize for years they have caught a lot of flack for it uh the one most recently was elena vega uh speaking out about uni- unionizing wrestling because she wanted to keep her uh twitch stream and only fans and everything else she had going on outside the wwe and she was let go because of it so i don't see any big names that are already signed going to this promotion if it starts I do see other wrestlers, though, who are not signed or from other countries, uh, from companies like NWA or MLW, to be able to go to this company. So Freddie would have a handful of superstars. Some who may not be signed right now and are waiting to go to a company might decide, hey, we're going to wait and see what Freddie does, and maybe he'll hire us. That would be great when it comes to guys like John Morrison, uh, Braun Strowman, EC3, You know what I mean? It would be great to see those guys back on television and to see what another company can do with them. Uh, Here's my fear, though. Just like we saw with Lucha Underground, they contacted and contracted a bunch of great stars. They had a great show, but they did not have enough money to run more than a couple of seasons. They had to get funding for the remaining seasons they wanted to do. The funding wasn't enough. They had to cut back on a lot of the wrestlers' time and a lot of the show quality, and it hurt them, and they ended up closing, but the wrestlers were still under contract to Lucia Underground, and guys like Ricochet, who was Prince Puma, Cobra Moon, who is now Thunder Rosa, and so many others had to fight their way out of their contracts. So I hope that Freddie, looking for this to be a unionized show and involve SAG, and allow it to be a reality-based show, will be a little more lenient with his contracts and allow these wrestlers uh, the right to leave if he can't produce any more than three years' worth of storylines, which he said that he has the money. If this does ha- does happen, though, uh, I would I'd be all for it. I enjoy there being multiple wrestling companies. I enjoy there being multiple things to watch in the wrestling aspect, and I love the idea of competition. And I think that Freddie putting up this uh, company along with AEW, impact on the rise and um wwe would make for a great time in wrestling again just as it has been so good luck to you Freddie prince jr i hope that you have tremendous success and i hope we get to actually see what you've got in mind quick hit number two roderick strong asked for his release from the wwe this past sunday uh roderick has been very upset with the way that he's been used um, his friends are all gone. The old, uh, the um, undisputed era has left NXT and have been gone for quite some time. The last was Kyle O'Reilly, and now uh, Roderick is basically the lone wolf there. He has been with Diamond Mind. That isn't working out so much since he lost the uh, Cruiserweight belt. With Malcolm Bivens gone, they no longer have a mouthpiece, so I have a feeling that that group is going to go, you know, uh, away very soon and leave the creed brothers to be on their own ivy now to be on her own and roderick to do whatever he wants but if roderick isn't happy and he's asked for his release um i hope it's given to him and they allow him to go out and pursue other aspects and avenues but considering that he was at spring breaking i don't know that that's going to happen uh sorry for the spoiler if you didn't know it already uh but yeah roderick strong was at spring break-in for a backstage uh, segment as well as an in-ring segment. I'll get to that in just a bit. And uh, it seems that WWE are going to lock him down if they have to, the same way they did Mustafa Ali, Luke Harper, Rey Mysterio, and many others in the past who have asked for their releases, which really sucks. You know, if a wrestler isn't happy, he doesn't want the payday you're giving him, whether it be the greatest payday ever or not. Um... And he's just not happy with his current direction. Let the guy go. What are you holding on to? What exactly do you hope will happen? That he'll one day wake up and go, you know what? It's not so bad being used as a punching bag or a comedy routine or being thrown from place to place. You know, I'm happy they changed my name. I'm happy they changed my look. Uh, You know, I have no one that I trust here anymore. But I'm going to stay on. No, no, not going to happen. But. That is the WWE, and it's what they do. Um, stay tuned for what grinds my gears because we'll get into that as well. Uh, but whatever happens with Roderick Strong, I absolutely wish him the best. I hope that he gets his release. And in all honesty, I know that he has ties to Ring of Honor, and he could very easily go uh, back to uh, you know go to AEW and do something with the, either the undisputed Elite or anybody in that company. Um, but I would hope that maybe he goes to Impact or MLW or even to Japan for a little while before jumping headfirst into the AEW pool, Um, mainly because that would just be oversaturation and it would look really, really muddy. But it's up to him if he even gets his release. If he doesn't get his release, I hope that they do something with him that he can be pleased with and actually enjoy. Uh, About his time there. So with that being said. That brings us to the end of Quick Hits. And uh, we're going to move on to our next segment. Which is our show review. And NXT 2.0 Spring Breakout. Now. I'm a little upset. Because we've seen. NXT adopt. Other shows. Of past WCW. uh, Times. Uh, The Bash and, you know, uh, War Games, Halloween havoc. I was kind of hoping that maybe we'd get Spring Stampede here uh, or, um, you know, Bash at the Beach, a theme of that nature um, or what have you. But we got a, a, a summer, you know, pool party feel, beachy feel here going on. And the show opens with a very weird promo from Pretty Deadly they're running down tonight's card and I still don't know their names. After that we go in the ring for our opening match and it's the North American Triple North American Title Triple Threat match and I am I'm ready for this one. We have Carmelo Hayes, Solo Sequoia and Cameron Grimes, and this was a show stealer and it was just the first match. Sequoia proved he's a star in the making and hit some pretty big moves. That super kick to Hayes and turned into a Code Red was sick. Hayes continued to shine and had a couple of near falls, especially with that code breaker out of nowhere. Uh, and Cameron Grimes proved why he deserves to be the North American champion. Uh, in the end, he took a lot of punishment and he kept coming. He hit his finisher. He got the win at the 18-minute mark in a fantastic opener. Well done, NXT. At the tanning salon now, Mandy Rose gets into the tanning bed and wants to look her best for spring break Well, Wendy Chu sneaks up and plays a prank and makes sure that Mandy is burning hot tonight because she set the lever for longer than uh, Mandy expected. She comes out as red as can be, and the segment ends with Toxic Attraction walking away from her and kind of giggling. For a show like this, I expect comedy segments like this, and I enjoyed it. Nothing wrong with that here. Newcomer Nathan Frazier cuts a promo and says he's not interested in social media He is just ready for a fight. We then see the diamond mine minus Malcolm Bivens, and Roddy is trying to rally the troops, letting them know that he is in charge and what he says goes. The final segment here is Duke Hudson and Indy Hartwell teasing a get-together, but then they walk off. So I guess this was done to show us who's been fired in the last week. You never know. Back in the ring, we have Grayson Waller waiting for Nathan Frazier. Great matchup for Frazier in his debut. The youngster showed us what he showed NXT UK for over a year and delivered a lot of high-flying impact moves. Waller barely got in any offense, and I hope that means his push is done. Um, Nathan hit a great-looking Phoenix splash and got the win at the 14-minute mark. Good outing for the youngster, and like I said, I hope we are done with the Grayson Waller experiment. We hear from the girl who hangs out with Briggs and Jensen. Her name is Fallon Henley. Who knew? And uh, she's in the breakout women's tournament. We also go outside and see the arrival of Legato Fantas- uh, Del Fantasma and Tony D and his crew to a restaurant. We see Braun Breaker get psyched backstage and the champ looks ready for tonight. We are then shifted to the sit down between Santos Escobar and Tony D. And this is straight out of The Sopranos, ladies and gentlemen. The segment comes to an end with a peace agreement between both, and I'm left with a face palm because this makes no sense. McKenzie is interviewing the Viking Raiders, and they get interrupted by Pretty Deadly. They say the Raiders are going to beat the Damaged Creeds because they are the ones who took them out when they won the Tag Team Titles, and the Raiders remind the two youngsters never to interrupt them again. We head to the comments. Fr- we head to comments from Joe Gacy. About his title match tonight. He says if he doesn't win the NXT title tonight. The company will never be the same. Kind of wondering what that means. And I'm definitely getting a very scary vibe. Coming off of uh, Joe Gacy. Especially with Noah Harland around him. Now to the match that I've been waiting for. Uh, since it was signed. Um, we have. Cora Jade and Nikita Lyons. Versus Natalia and Lash Legend. And the crowd goes mild, ladies and gentlemen. This wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, though. Um, and that was because of Cora Jade and Natalia. Lash and Nikita still need more training because I thought Natalia got injured on two occasions by what Nikita was doing to her. Cora Jade hit a big senton from the top and got the win in 18 minutes. Not the worst, but definitely not the best. Uh, given a little too much time, but um, Cora Jade is definitely shining in my opinion. Uh, We hear from Tatum Paxley next uh, about her being in the breakout tournament. It starts next week, and I don't have high hopes for it because everyone involved is still very green. Um, I see a lot of botching, uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, A lot of women who are just going to be bumping and taking shots for no reason and possibly an injury. Uh, We then shift to Gigi and JC going to the beach for their tans, and I guess they learned from uh, Mandy Rose's mistakes. Uh, I will say that they both looked amazing. And oh, look, it's Wendy Chu again, and she has newcomer Roxanne Perez with her. Uh, the Pranksters commit Grand Theft Auto and leave Toxic Attraction lay- angry after some fun in the sun. We then go back to the ring for the Viking Raiders taking on the Creed Brothers. Hard-hitting tag team match between two big horse teams. The Raiders had control from the beginning of the match and used powerhouse double-team moves. The Creed's came back, and all four men had a back-and-forth battle until Roderick Strong hit a high knee from out of nowhere. Julius got the pin for the Creeds at the 14-minute mark. Great match, and glad to see the Creeds are winning again. They definitely deserve it. Tony D. and his crew leave. Uh, That leaves Santo Escobar to approach Tony's consigliere and take him out. Uh, Legato stuffs him into a car and drives off. Oh, for fuck's sake, this is going to continue? So we're going to continue with all this soprano Bullshit. Now, I'm a fan of of the Sopranos, but this is low budget as it gets. Really? We get another vignette from Alba Fire, a.k.a. Kylie Ray. then find out that Jensen has a broken arm after the beatdown last week. He'll be out six to eight weeks, and he and Briggs are very happy about this. What the hell is going on? And it is now main event time, ladies and gentlemen. Joe Gacy will get his shot at the NXT title, and this started off quick and ended quicker. Gacy tried to use mind games and hit a devastating-looking power bomb, but Braun kept going. The champion fought back and showed us that Steiner touch, a belly-to-belly and a clothesline led to Breaker's comeback. Gacy missed a springboard elbow. Breaker hit his finisher, and it was all over in 11 minutes. I wanted more out of the main event, but it was still good. Uh, they could have maybe shaved like five minutes out of, of uh, Natalia and Cora Jade's tag match, and maybe it away a couple of the backstage segments. And we might have gotten a decent 20-minute world title match. But still okay. Post-match, two cloaked figures in red mask attacked Braun Breaker. And stretcher him out of the arena at the request of Joe Gacy. Yes. Let these two continue their feud. I'm giving Spring Break-In a 4.5 out of 5. It was a great show. And the wrestling action and backstage segments were actually very good and needed. But remember, this was a special show. So I'm not having high hopes next week. It could just be back to that same NXT vibe that we were getting last week and the week before. In any indication, though, good outing here. Great title matches. And I can't wait to see what they have in store for us next with Joe Gacy and Ron Breaker. On to AEW Dynamite now. We kick off tonight's show with Adam Cole, baby joining commentary, and snubbing Tony Schiavone before our opening match. It's Jeff Hardy taking on Bobby Fish for the Owen Hart tournament spot. What a way to open up Dynamite, a classic battle of technical wrestling meets high-flying ability. Fish used his ground and bound. Did a great job of keeping Jeff down for as long as he could. But the charismatic enigma kept coming back. Hardy hit his double leg drop, a twist of fate, and his swanton bomb to get the win in 11 minutes. Another great opening match this week for a show. Well done. Post-match, the Young Bucks come to the ring and gotten into a stare down with the Hardy Boys. Could we see a rematch from 2017? Yes, please. We get a pre-recorded video of William Regal putting over the Black Blackpool Combat Club and then head to the ring for their six-man tag match. It is Moxley, Yuta and Danielson taking on Butcher, Blade, and Helico. The Heels jumped Team Regal, and for the first time ever, the BCC are taking a beating. Blade choked Danielson and tagged in Helico. Danielson finally came back, and a brawl started again between all six. Yuta, Moxley, and uh, Danielson pounded down on their opponents until the American Dragon locked in the Yes Lock and got the win for his team in 10 minutes solid match here. I like the way that they're continuing to build this team, and if they do decide to ever invest in a trios title, I think this is the team to do it. We then shift to Tony Schiavone interviewing Team Taz, Jurassic Express interrupts, and uh, offer a deal. They'll give Starks and Hobbs a shot at the tag team titles if Jungle Boy can get a shot at the FT title, W title next week. Starks agrees, and I got a feeling that these two will steal the show next week. Tony Schiavone then interviews Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. They say they don't appreciate Team Taz overlooking them and going for the tag team titles and that the unfinished business will be settled sooner rather than later. Wardlow gets led to the ring and the fans are chanting his name the whole way. I'm getting a Goldberg vibe here and now here's MJF. Max puts down Maryland and brings out Wardlow's opponent, W. Morrissey, a.k.a. Big Cash. Now, it was no surprise with the uh, clues that were given last week But I'm glad to see Big Cass, William Morrissey uh, On another wrestling show He's been doing great on Impact And I have no doubt him and Wardlow are going to have a great match here These two started off strong And teed off on one another Morrissey got in some good shots But Wardlow took him and rolled through the 7-footer Wardlow hit his powerbomb And got the win in 5 minutes I continue to enjoy The Wardlow storyline But jobbing Morrissey out in five minutes is a little ridiculous here. Post-match, Wardlow destroyed all the security in the ring and the ones that MJF sends out. He then challenges Max to a match, which Max agrees to, but will have certain conditions. We'll have to wait until next week to find out what those are. I'm getting another one of those, uh, you know, uh, the way he made CM Punk go through the uh, revival and uh, um, Sean Spears and everything like that. It's probably going to make Wardlow continue to go through some more opponents before he actually gets his match. Tony Schiavone is once again interviewing Tony Storm, Ruby Soho, Jamie Hader, and Britt Baker. They'll open up Rampage this week with a tag match and called each other a bitch a few times. Uh, did we really need this for a third week in a row, though? I mean, I get it. They're all in the Owen Hart tournament. Uh, they all hate each other. They all have a past. It, it's just not making any sense why this has been dragged out like this. Adam Page joins Tony in the ring. Page says he doesn't intend to say he likes or respects CM Punk. He's not going to go into Double or Nothing and have a Bret Hart tribute match. He intends to destroy and embarrass Punk and give him the fight of his life. I cannot wait for this match and all that it has to bring, ladies and gentlemen. You are going to get an absolute fight. It is the best in the world, taking on Mr. Cowboy Shit himself. Adam Page has been a fantastic World Heavyweight Champion. He is uh, definitely doing what Kenny Omega did and what Moxley did and Jericho did, bringing prestige to that title. The question is, will he continue it as a face or will CM Punk bring out the heel in Adam Page? Could Adam Page lose the title to CM Punk and we go into the summer of Punk yet again? That's a lot of questions to be answered, but we'll find out a Double or Nothing. We then hear from Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and the not-so-great Kali. Uh, Lethal challenges newcomer Takasha for a match on Rampage. And judging by the highlight videos of Takasha that I've seen, this could be very, very good. Uh, Santana then takes on Jericho. The young Santana starts to match off by attacking Jericho in the aisle. He had Jericho reeling in the ring and showed off as expected. Jericho finally countered and beat Santana down for just a little bit. But Santana fought back and got in a couple of near falls. A distraction from the Jericho Appreciation Society, dumbest name ever, allows Chris to hit a low blow, followed by the Judas Effect, and Jericho got the win in 12 minutes. Really good match, and I enjoyed how Santana was highlighted here. I kind of wish Chris would have put him over, but I think that'll happen somewhere down the line. Uh, Backstage, the Gun Club approached the Acclaimed with gifts. Apparently, the guns and the Acclaimed are now scissoring. What the fuck does that actually mean? Back inside the arena, Brian Pillman Jr. and the Varsity Blondes cut a promo about the House of Black. Pillman quotes John Harbo, his late father's friend, and challenges the House of Black to a fight. They arrive and take the blondes apart. Black tries to turn Julia Hart against her team and almost does, but she fights it off and Black leaves her crying in the corner until that triangle runs them off. Really good segment here. Glad to see them doing something with everyone that is involved in this feud. Uh, Was kind of thinking Julia Hart was going to turn here. Mark Sterling runs down the accomplishments of Jade Cargill and the baddies. Seemed a little pointless and was only done to hype up Red Velvet. Ray Phoenix then took on Dante Martin, and they called this a dream match. And while I don't agree completely, it was definitely an incredible high-flying matchup. Phoenix and Martin did everything they could to get the fans on their feet. Martin almost hit his finisher, but Phoenix countered, hit his finisher, and got the win in 10 minutes. I wanted more, but definitely a great, great matchup. Darby Allen tells us he's drawn Jeff Hardy in the first round of the Hard Tournament, says no matter what, it will be a great match, and Sting agrees. I didn't know I wanted this match, but let's go. Thunder Rosa is out on the stage and talks to the fans about how hard she's fought to be AEW women's champion. Rosa says she's happy to continue to to elevate the women's division and calls out her number one contender, Serena Deeb. They exchange respect and trade words, but ultimately comes down to Deeb challenging Thunder. They'll meet a double or nothing. One, I'm happy Deeb and Sheeta are done feuding. And two, I think these two will tear down the damn house. We hear from John Silver about his matchup with CM Punk next week. I got a feeling Hangman Page is going to get involved in that one. And then we go to our main event. And it is Deanna Perrazzo and Mercedes Martinez to unify the Ring of Honor women's title. Deanna was the champion. She could not make it to the ROH event that was held a couple of weeks ago. So Mercedes Martinez uh, became the interim champion by defeating Nightingale. Uh, this was another classic battle as we had the brawler taking on the submission expert. Mercedes fought hard, but Deanna kept coming back and tried, tried even harder. Um, they fought in and out of the ring, both keeping pace with each other, but Martinez finally got uh, Parazzo to make a mistake. She locked in a, a submission move out of nowhere, and Martinez got the win in 10 minutes. Your winner and new ROH Undisputed Women's Champion, Mercedes Martinez. Congratulations, Mercedes. Glad to see you finally getting the recognition you deserve. Great way to end the show and a good match as well. I'm giving AEW a four out of five this week. The matches were stellar, but a few too many backstage segments. So good wrestling all along throughout both shows. Uh, A lot of good segments, a lot of unnecessary ones as well. A couple of things I don't agree with, but it was good To see a nice change of pace from last week where all three shows were lacking and leaving me wanting more and definitely calling for a change all the way around so with that being said we come to our final segment and that is what grinds my gears ladies and gentlemen the wwe and the way that they handle the called up nxt talent is absolutely ridiculous People have been complaining about this for the last couple of years. But when you look at the talent that has come up to the main roster and fallen flat on their face because of the way the WWE books them, it is absolutely ludicrous. You look at stars in the past such as Balor, Zayn, and Beville. Finn Balor had all the makings of a World Heavyweight Champion and was even given the Universal title. But one injury led Vince to think that he was injury-prone And has not put him back in a title picture where Finn has been able to become World Heavyweight Champion again. Yes, he's been United States and Intercontinental Champion. But Finn Balor is now floundering. And he is basically being put with AJ Styles just to get the rub for the whole Bullet Club thing. Because of the uh, forbidden door pay-per-view that AEW is going to be doing. And getting the entire Bullet Club together. You look at Sami Zayn, a couple of runs with the Intercontinental title, but nothing great. Uh, yes, he is prominently featured on uh, SmackDown, but that's only because he's such a great talker. When it comes to wrestling, he keeps getting squashed, and it's utterly ridiculous. Look at a guy like Neville, a.k.a. Pop. Uh, they He was the NXT champion. He had great matches with Tyler Breeze, another guy who was squandered. Um Great matches with Tyler Breeze, Samoa Joe, uh, Kevin Owens, Mo Dallas, Sami Zayn. And then he comes to the main roster. to give him the uh, Cruiserweight title. And they don't allow him to grow anywhere anymore after that. Um, most notably recently, Raquel Gonzalez, who was a force in NXT. And although finally became a babyface in her last few weeks in NXT has been called to the main roster, and she is now a smiling joke of her former self. Uh, This woman was a monster who was manhandling two and three women at at a time, and now they're making her into this fan-friendly, I love you person. And it's really ridiculous. It's kind of BS when you think of all that she did to become NXT World Heavyweight Champion uh, for the women's division and NXT Women's Tag Team Champions as well. And finally... Tommaso Ciampa, last week I talked about him uh, attacking Mustafa Ali and getting into a storyline with him, um, dropping his name and now just becoming Ciampa, and then this week he's nowhere to be found, and neither is Ali, neither is Miz, but there's Austin Theory, Vince's favorite, Mm mm-hmm. I don't understand calling people to the main roster, allowing them to make their debut, and then making them go away. Tony Storm had the same problem. So has Shotzi Blackheart. Many other women and men who have come from NXT have either been given little to no push, fired instantly, and has pissed off uh, the fans uh, in this happening. You get us all riled up. You make us enjoy them on NXT. And then you do diddly squat with them when they get to the main roster. Now, I am not saying, I want you all to understand, I will defend this for my dying day. I am not saying that they all deserve to be the world heavyweight champion or the women's champion immediately. I am not saying that they deserve title match after title match after title match immediately. What I am saying is these people deserve to be put into prominent roles. Tommaso Ciampa was the heart of NXT. Why he is not on Raw or SmackDown every week and having great matches with the likes of Dolph Ziggler, with the likes of Mustafa Ali, Miz, Austin Theory, Bobby Roode. Hell, he could have a great match with Roman Reigns. It doesn't have to be for the title. You understand. Uh, people like Otis, thank God, and Chad Gable are actually have some purpose again because they were put into a tag team. Um It's just ridiculous to me that Vince brings these people up. And I understand a lot of these people were from the Triple H era. And, um, you know, he didn't like it very much. And thus fired everybody that he could that was a part of that. But if someone made you money one place, then when you promote them, they're going to make you money in the other place as well. If they were getting ratings... And look, I'm not saying that NXT is doing 2.5s and 3.5s and 4.0s, no. But if you have a core fan base that watches NXT and you move one of their favorites to the main roster, well, they're going to tune in every week to see them on Raw or SmackDown. If you've got a favorite that was on Raw or SmackDown and you send them down to NXT, well, they're going to watch NXT because of that. See, there's where we look at what's been going on lately vin thought that Dolph ziggler was this great wrestler again someone people wanted to see so he sent them down to nxt and he made him the champion for a few weeks truth of the matter is nobody cared to see Dolph ziggler nobody cares to see natalia yes we cared to see aj styles yes we cared that the viking ratings just made a return but we don't care about the rest of the people vince thinks that we do so when you send people to nxt that we don't want to see we're not going to watch those segments we're going to boo, we're going to complain, and we're going to bitch, because that's what we all do. Now, again, I'm not saying that we should boo, bitch, and complain about everything, but what I am saying is that when I see wrestlers who have been broken down, thrown out, and then fired, it really makes no sense to me why, when they were doing so great just a few months ago in NXT. You understand? It just makes no sense whatsoever. And I really hope they fix it. I really hope that we get to see some of these great stars that have been called up recently get a little bit of a push to at least having great matches. I really hope that when a team like the Creed Brothers finally get called up, that we're going to get to see them have great hard-hitting tag team matches and not just make them enhancement talent for the likes of Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler, or the Street Profits, who I like, by the way, but they're just kind of wallowing as well. There you go, another NXT brand team that got sent up and are now just wallowing and doing nothing and losing six-man tags. Thank God they lost them to uh, you know Otis and Kevin Owens and uh, Chad Gable. You know what I mean? Notice how I didn't mention Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is still getting a push. Seth Rollins is probably the most famous NXT champion that there ever was to now be on the main roster and still be being pushed. Roman Reigns is second in that regard because Roman was never the NXT champion. But he is definitely one of the most famous NXT alumni that went from that brand to the main brand and is now kicking ass. So if you did that with those guys, why can't we do it with anybody else? Why can't we see what these guys could do? Give them a 10-minute match a week. Doesn't got to be 40, 30, 40 minutes. Just makes no sense to me, though. Well, that is going to do it here, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank you for joining me on the 50th episode on If You Smell What the Arch Is Cooking. Uh, here is the giveaway. Uh, all you got to do is add new members to the uh, If You Smell What the Arch Is Cooking page and uh, tag them on a post. Uh, tag these people and let me know that they have joined. You'll be entered into a randomizer. Top five names will get a free if you smell what the art is cooking sticker, courtesy of myself. Uh, and one name will win a free custom figure of their choosing. That's right. The top name on Click 10 of said randomizer will win a free custom figure of their choosing. And the other four will receive a free sticker. Of If You Smell What The Arch Is Cooking. So, I want to thank you guys once again for joining me. Have a great night. Continue to support everybody here at the We Can't Wrestle family. And until next time, I'll see you on If You Smell What The Arch Is.